The big question is this, how do we use the seven step blueprint from the new science of physical health to drive down your risk of the number one and number two cause of sickness and death worldwide or the people you influence or care about. That's what today's episode is all about. Let's go and get started right now on today's episode of Health Secrets, the new science of physical health. Hi everybody, welcome back to the final episode here in this mini-series where we're looking at how to use your smartwatch for health purposes. I'm so excited about this episode out of all the, the three that I've done and the work that I've put into it. Primarily because I said at the end of, la of episode two, I'm going to introduce you to Professor Ulrich Wisloff from Norway in his own words. And we're going to dive straight into, um, in Australia, we have this expression. I don't know if you have this expression in the part of the world that you live in. So I'll explain this expression as I say it. Otherwise, people will go, because people will go, what is he talking about? We have this expression in Australia called the duck's guts. Now, what that means is let's get into the uh, the real core um, meat and potatoes. That might be an expression you're familiar with if you're not familiar with duck's guts. Um, let's get into the core of what this mini-series is about. How do you become physically healthy using your smartwatch compared to what the smartwatch developers are offering us in terms of their hardware and their sensors, and also in compared to what the health mobile health company, mobile um, fitness apps, health apps, physical activity apps. And remember that I have a delineation between two areas, well, really three, sports performance, recreational sporting challenge. So if you're an adult where you're not competing in physical um, uh, sports anymore, but you're competing in some of the, you know, it could be um, do, channel like, you know, half marathons, marathons, some triathlons. It could be some CrossFit stuff. You could be just challenging yourself with cycling within your own group. There's lots, there's thousands of things across the world. Remember, for all the people that we think are involved in using smartwatches for physical, improving physical health, and so Matt My Fitness and Matt, um, My Fitness Power combined, owned by Under Armour. Remember what I said in the last episode? They have around 280 million users, you know, three quarters of the population in the United States of America. Just because they say we've got users doesn't mean that people are improving their personal physical health status and lowering their risk of the leading two causes of sickness and death worldwide. They're not saying that. So we're going to dive into today's episode. Oh, the third thing is for health. So you can use it for health purposes, sporting performance purposes. You can use a smartwatch for. Great idea, fantastic stuff that's available through that. And you can use it for recreational sporting challenges for yourself. And the area of focus in this mini-series is on health because that's the title of the mini-series. You know, if you own a smartwatch, then this is how you use it for health. Well, let's go straight into it today. I'm about to introduce you right now to a conversation I had, I was very privileged for this, with Professor Ulrich Wisloff. Now, I'll read a bit of his bio to you so you get this deep understanding of who he is. And then I'm going to, I want you to hear in his own words. So he's a Norwegian professor, but I want you to hear him in his own words. Um, he's got a Norwegian accent, but perfect English, um, 
and just the incredible background of the person you're about to hear in this four or five minutes into, uh, of section of a private conversation that I had with him about the topic of health, apps, and technology. It's amazing. So let me just talk to you about who he is, first of all. He's a researcher, a professor, and an entrepreneur in the field of exercise physiology. He's the head of the Cardiac Exercise Research Group that has 55 employees at the Norwegian Technology University. Um, as the, and he is a part of the Department of Circulation and Medical Imaging as Norwegian University of Science and Technology. That's what it is. I was looking at the initials, but it's Norwegian University of Science and Technology. He's also, listen to this. I can't believe this. I asked him this question. He's an honorary professor at the University of Queensland in Australia, which is the next state up from where I live, if you're outside of Australia. So he was appointed professor in 2008 and quickly built up an international, transdisciplinary and competitive group as documented documented by, he has more than, this is incredible, 280 peer-reviewed publications. (laughs) This blows my mind. 72,000. citations of his research. According to Google Scholar, he figures among the world's foremost cited scientists in the field of exercise and exercise physiology and cardiology. Many of his publications demonstrate his group's capacity to translate basic experimental research into clinical use in a short time frame. He has served as a, a successor in national and international collaborations and demonstrating scientific leadership. He was working on projects related to optimizing the benefits of physical activity and health and disease and utilizes technologies to improve adherence to physical activity sessions. Wisloff and his colleagues that he leads provided um, the first causative evidence that low exercise capacity, low levels of physical activity, and low intensity levels dramatically increase the risk of the number one cause of sickness and death worldwide, heart disease. The the study published in 2005 with commentary in Nature Medicine was ranked as one of the most important papers in the metabolism field at the time. They subsequently showed that high-intensity physical activity was safe and led to superior improvements in your heart function, blood vessel function, cardiac function, and for heart for people who actually had heart failure. This is in line with research formed on the basis of his group with later studies showing optimal results with certain specific intensities of physical activity and that improved cardiovascular disorders. So his group revealed changes in resting heart rate, predict death this is unbelievable. Resting heart rate, I'll talk about that more in the episode in a minute. From So, his group revealed that something called temporal changes in your resting heart rate predict death from heart disease in the general population. That was in 2011 in um, the Journal of American Medicine. And that led to a creation of a calculator that would estimate your uh, physical activity health, so it's a physical activity health score, that was able to predict death in the general population. So we got this calculator. That's based on medical claims. The calculator is available and he's made it available to the world. To date, there's been, well, I thought there was nine and a half million users. He tells me, and I, I think that didn't come out properly in this audio you're about to hear, he tells me it's actually about 20 million users now have used the health software. 
The American Heart Association now advocates the use of it, of this health software, in clinical practice. Uh, unbelievable. So he's converted, he's found a way, not found a way, invented a way, through his research and his team to convert heart rate and the core principle in the influencer framework that we talk about in episode one into an actionable, uh, useful thing that you can track. So Wisloff is the inventor of the particular health software. And it's a metric that calculates how much physical activity a person needs to be protected against lifestyle diseases and premature death. It's unbelievable. You've got to think about what I'm just talking about here. He has invented, based on medical research, something that can make medical claims about how you can be protected by using it and tracking yourself from lifestyle-related diseases and premature death. So the software is something we're going to talk about that Heath and I talk about right now. So he is a world leader who's committed to, even to, he's even done this, he supervised 22 postdoctoral fellows and 38 PhD students who've gone on to have successful careers in industry and academia. And in February of 2020, I asked him about this. No, did I ask him? I think I forgot to ask him this one. In February of 2020, Professor Wisloff was awarded the Norwegian Health Association's Heart Research Award, and he was presented the award by the King of Norway. This guy is one of my science heroes. So I had the opportunity to um, to speak with him, have a private conversation. I'm going to let you in on that private conversation, and you can hear what one of the world's leading professors is talking about when it comes to your smartwatch health software and your risk of the number one and number two cause of sickness and death and how to be physically healthy. And then I'll come back after this four or five minutes and we'll dive into the rest of the episode. What I have been wondering about the last uh, 20 years was how can we quantify physical activity in, a, in an understandable way? Because yeah. the health authorities, we have, I just had this discussion with the health authorities, in Norway. You have to do ex- vigorous exercise, 150 minutes per week, but what is vigorous? Yes. Nobody understands that. No, they don't. And, uh, yeah. and, um, and so on. So a long story short was that um, everyone agrees that heart rate uh, reflects your body and your kid's body's response to any physical activity. Yeah. And then I thought, can we make something meaningful out of uh, heart rate that is related to health outcome because heart rate is also meaningless if you can't relate it to something it, totally yeah so, yeah so so what so we had this um i had this idea and we tested five thousand people on a treadmill uh in a, in a health oh, survey five thousand so that's it's a crazy job we used uh, one and a half year to do, to do this and they were aged uh, 20 to actually 13 to 90 years uh and uh, we were able to make this, uh, or we were studying the heart rate pattern over a week, and we tried to, can we link that to a health score or a health uh, stages? And we, we were able to do that. So, so we, we, we observed that those that had a certain uh, heart rate pattern, they had good cardiovascular health, and those that did not, or had a different uh, uh, heart rate pattern over a week, they had poor um, uh, cardiovascular health, and then we graded this into a score from zero to one hundred and above. So it is um, the um, 
the software that you have, which is now available, and did I read somewhere that the application, the mobile application, has been downloaded like 9 million times or something? Is that right? And it's probably more because you have um, you have a lot of users in China. So I think it's uh, ah. money, uh, more what? than 20 million. Yes. Um, the good thing with the with the Pelth app is that it's uh, as long as you have a variable that shares uh, your heart rate data to the app, then you can use the app. Which is which is the that's the main reason this can come become a new world standard for physical activity tracking. Because if only Apple had it, yeah. it would have been lost. Because then Fitbit users couldn't use it. And so earlier in the in this discussion about heart not heart rate data doesn't tell you anything about health. I asked all these teenagers, 13 to um, 16, what do you know about interpreting the dashboard from these health apps? There wasn't a single kid out of 1,200 kids who could tell me what it meant, what any of the apps meant, like the steps, they couldn't tell me how that impacts the health, the calories, nothing. Um, And that's why I was so thrilled to go. So all I have to do is hit 100 points on a rolling basis over seven days. That's how I'm using the app. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct. And then you can plan your training sessions. You don't have to exercise every day, which is uh, a lot of people that get the steps messages. Uh, they say that you didn't go 10,000 steps today. And then people that really need to exercise, they feel that they are f- failing. So, And I also completely agree with you that most apps or most variables actually present a lot of data just because it's possible to measure it. They don't tell you what it means for your health, which is insane. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know my Apple Watch, and I love my Apple Watch, but Mm -hmm. it tells me nothing about, well, is it it reducing the risk of the number one killer in the world, cardiovascular disease, and the number one cause of premature sickness? And I go, hang on a second. Cardiovascular disease will kill 18 million people this year. It's number one. Number two is cancer. If I raise my pie score... Now I was re- I thought that um, it would re- would reduce my risk by twenty five percent, but I read in your presentation that you sent me, it will reduce it by like thirty percent or something like that, or thirty eight percent. Is that right? Now, it depends on the age and condition. So I mean, I mean, if you compare uh, type two diabetics with uh, with hundred pi with a type two diabetics without hundred pi, it's yep. about fifty percent risk reduction. Also, so it's. Oh. Huge numbers, and it's more effective than any medicine you can buy in a drugstore. Well, there you have it from one of the world's foremost cited professors in exercise physiology and cardiology and about the impact that physical activity has on your risk of cardiovascular disease, the number one cause of sickness and death. And we're going to be having a discussion about the impact on the number two cause of sickness and death, which is cancer and cancer events, because Can you believe it? Coincidentally enough, that there is research now showing that it also significantly impacts a person's risk of a cancer event if you're hitting what we talk about, 100 points from the health software. So that was a great conversation. There's more to that conversation that may appear in other episodes and other mini-series that we end up doing. So now what we know is this. Expert comes back to your smartwatch, whatever health software that you're using. Health software, remember, not sporting challenge software or sports performance software. So experts agree that physical activity is the best medicine for improving cardiovascular health, 
which has this wide-reaching impact on the entire body. What about what he said right at the end of that conversation just then, that scoring 100 points is better than the medicine you can go and get if you went to a pharmacy? Now, I'm not saying not take medicine. That's not the comment we're saying. What we're saying is that the impact of it is more effective than medicine, straight out of one of the world leaders in this area, straight out of his mouth. So the question is, how can you? How can people stay motivated? And how do people know? This is the big, I think this is the big question when it comes to the topic of this mini-series, um, you're using your smartwatch for health. How do you know, how do people know, you or anyone you influence, if they all care about, if they are going to do enough physical activity to improve their health and lower the risk of cardiovascular disease and cancer. 18 million cardiovascular disease die per year. Sadly, many of those preventable, about 80%, and cancer events, 8.2 million a year. Sadly, many of those preventable. The answer is, to that question, how do you know if you're doing enough physical activity to improve your health? Through the science of of the new health software that is available inside my full course and available inside the book. And we can give you access to that straight away. Like you get instant access to go and download it. So it's the most relevant index if you're measuring physical activity. So from a health perspective, that's all that really matters is managing your point score helps you reduce your risk of lifestyle-related diseases. Put simply, it helps you to live longer. That's a quote from some stuff that Professor Wisloff has put out there. Um on the internet. So published studies confirm the efficacy of the, that's a good word, isn't it? Efficacy of the health software for tracking and optimizing your heart health. Now, remember, my definition of health is to look at lowering the risk of cardiovascular disease and lowering the risk of cancer. Are there other components of health, physical physical health, not talking about social, mental, and emotional, which is just as important, But the things that will take your life the fastest is the things that I want to focus on when it comes to health. So I looked at the two big ones, big by a long way. If you fix those, my argument, my basis of education is you can fix a lot of other things along the way by fixing those ones first. Let's focus in on those. So in fact, achieving a weekly score of 100 or more on a rolling seven days is associated with four to five years longer life when compared to those who are physically inactive is what the science says behind it. Now, one of the other professors or doctors that I've worked with is um, Dr. Eduardo Sanchez, the chief medical prevention officer from the American Heart Association. He's based out of Dallas, Texas. Dr. Sanchez said to me that not only will you live a longer life, you live a more healthful life. And that's important by focusing on it. So the health software works with popular devices as Professor Wisloff was talking about, to customize to your profile in factoring in things like your gender, your age, your resting heart rate, um, and your maximum heart rate, which is really important. So remember what the, the bio about what Professor Wisloff's work says is that your resting heart rate, how low it is overnight and how low it is when you're sitting in a chair and you're relaxed over time, your resting heart rate score is reflective of your risk of cardiovascular disease. By the way, if you use, if you raise your active heart fitness score, which we talk about inside the book in detail, um, 
over time and you track it, your has a linear correlation with an inverse correlation with your um, resting heart fitness score. So raise your active heart fitness score. It will automatically lower your at resting heart fitness score. It happens every time. I won't go into the science of why that is right now, but I do go into the science inside the book. It's really interesting. So there's a proprietary algorithm that calculates a health score using your personal profile data inside the software on that rolling seven days. So and as it says, you can maintain, if you maintain that score of 100, which I do all the time, there's an average 25% risk reduction in cardiovascular disease mortality. I'll go through a little bit more. Some, uh, Professor Wisloff also sent me a paper. A, actually, it wasn't a paper. It was a recent, a presentation that he gives around the world. And it's got all of the data in there about for each category of risk factor, how much you will reduce your risk of that lifestyle disease and cardiovascular disease independent of the risk factors. I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute. So the algorithm was derived from that, that Professor Wisloff and his input together. It's derived from one of the most comprehensive health studies ever performed, something called the Hunt Study up in Norway and it's and on 45,000 people. But it's been further validated in large studies across the US population as well as several studies published in medical journals in the American Medical Journey and a journal and the Mayo Mayo Clinical Proceedings Journal. So maintaining these 100 points has been associated with more more reduced mortality risk from CVD than any other lifestyle disease. It's validated in all of these published journals. So here's a couple of quotes from other doctors who've used it and seen the difference. So I'll give you an example. This is Dr. Carl Levy. He's the medical director of cardiac rehabilitation and prevention at the Oshner Health System. So he goes, as a physician and a practicing cardiologist, I've never seen a metric and quantifiable to the protection of lifestyle-related diseases, such as the one invented by Professor Wisloff. It's better than any general exercise guideline that physicians have ever been able to give their patients. And I believe... It has the potential to be a game changer to improve global health. That's what Dr. Carl Levi says from Oshner Health System. Here's another one, Dr. Stefano A. Bini. And he is from, he's a medical doctor of orthopedic surgery at the University of California in San Francisco. This is what he says. Our, last year, our lab ran a series of tests using various monitors and collected over a million data points on patients undergoing total joint surgery. When we used an um, an AI engine, artificial intelligence, to identify the variables that predicted clinical outcomes, listen to this, by far the most predictive variable was this health software it, at, from, from Professor Wisloff. It was as predictive as a standalone variable compared with any number of features put together. That's absolutely incredible. So listen to this. If you maintain 100 points using this software to help reduce cardiovascular mortality risk for healthy individuals and those people also with what we call underlying conditions, what we call um, other, um, other conditions that they've already got existing in their body before they start using the health software. So if you have no underlying conditions, none of the traditional biomarkers that are going to put you at a risk category, for having cardiovascular disease, and you start hitting 100 points. So you've got no condition of any kind. You don't have high blood pressure. You're not overweight. 
you don't have type 2 diabetes, you don't smoke, then you'll have a risk reduction. So if you've got no factors, you'll get a risk reduction of 20% for lifestyle, for cardiovascular disease if you start in your 100 points. If you have high blood pressure, you're on medication, whatever you're doing with the doctor, not on medication, whatever it is. But if you have high blood pressure and you start working with their health software, the medical claim is this. You'll reduce hypertension by up to 31.5%. Holy moly, no wonder Dr. Wisloff said, Professor Wisloff said, he's a doctor, but Professor Wisloff said that it that getting the 100 points is as impactful as taking medicine because that's what it does there on hypertension. And by the way, back to some of my previous episodes, um, I, when I talked with uh, Dr. Sanchez from the American Heart Association, he said hypertension is one of the nastiest, nastiest diseases you can have because it, it leads to something over a long period of time called end-stage organ failure, which can destroy your organs and can end your life. So hypertension is dangerous, high blood pressure. But getting 100 points using the health software makes the medical claim, backed up by research, reduce hypertension by 31.5%. If you're overweight and obesity, if you're in that category and you don't tackle obesity first, but you look at, because that's hard to tackle, we all know that. I'm not saying you shouldn't, but if you start working on achieving 100 points and it's a really simple piece of tech, you start with your smartwatch and you'll have it available to you, given to you straight away inside all the material that we've got and the links inside the the show notes that go with this episode. If you are overweight and obese and you didn't treat that first, but you did get onto the 100 points and you started working towards that and learning how to use the software, which is not complex, you get a 30.5% reduction in your risk of the leading cause of sickness and death, cardiovascular disease. Unbelievable. This one blows, oh, smoking, if so if you, we don't want you to do this by any stretch of the imagination, but if you were a smoker and you maintain that, not what we want you to do, and you hit 100 points using the whole software, you'd reduce by about 31% your risk of cardiovascular disease. That really, I found mind-blowing. But this one's the big one, because the disease that I'm about to mention, type 2 diabetes, is massive across the world. If you start hitting 100 points, and over a period of time, three months, six months, nine months, 12 months, and accomplish that using the health software, a reduction of 54% in your risk of cardiovascular disease if you had type 2 diabetes. Unbelievable. Like, could be life-saving. They are the claims that's made by the health software. I defy you. I challenge you. That's probably the better way to say it. I challenge anyone to come out and find other health software that makes a claim from their biometrics, from the data that they track, similar claims. I know they can't because I know the other other companies and other health software haven't put anything into it. So the Wall Street Journal, this is a couple of um, media quotes. The Wall Street Journal, a a journalist called Jeffrey Fowler. This is the best example yet of how wearables can turn your data and data about our bodies into tailored, actionable advice. Remember what Professor Eschbach said in episode one? There's not enough technology out there yet that's actionable. Well, there is now. And so, Jeffrey Fowler from the Wall Street Journal says it's actionable advice and 
long the lives. Financial Times. This person is Charles Wallace, a journalist. Charles Wallace. The beauty of this measurement is that it is cumulative, incorporating the last few days of physical activity, whether low intensity or high intensity. As long as you remain above 100 points, you've achieved your health goal for the week. That's awesome. What about this one? Harvard Health Publishing from the Harvard Medical School. The idea is to get an average, and this is their quote, of 100 points over an entire week, which could earn you, you could earn through short stints of intense exercise or longer bouts of moderate activity or a combination of the two. Think of this as an index of how hard and how often you challenge your heart. That's very positive. So then there's the Men's Journal of Fitness have this quote. Rather than aim for one-size-fits-all fitness goal, say like 10,000 steps, this health software summarizes your body's response to total physical activity. So there you go. There's a few statements by journalists in this particular area. So the core health principle, which is physiological, inside the blueprint, that the, um, the seven-step blueprint of the new science of physical health, is how well your heart and lungs are able to get oxygen around your body. Experts agree that this medical biometric is the a leading indicator of your health and longevity. The health software gives you a personal score that tells you exactly how much physical activity you should do, or people you influence, to improve your personal physical health status over time. It will help you lead a more active lifestyle, improving your strength, energy levels, mood, and sleep patterns. All right. So here, let me just go back to something that was raised. I just raised a second ago from the Men's Journal of Fitness about the 10,000 steps because the steps is, I think, the thing that people track the most that I see in all the social media posts are steps and calories. So where did steps come from? That's a great question. Let me just, because I really want people to understand a bit of the history of this. The goal of 10,000 steps originated in the 1960s from a pedometer whose name, Mampo Kai, literally translates to 10,000 step meter. This was then used as a marketing tool, a successful one, by the way, because it's still in apps today. Steps is still in apps, right? There's no such thing as an app or a mobile phone back in the 1960s. But it's, tra- it's so successful, so much, that 10,000 steps has been ingrained into our health consciousness. Even though 10,000 steps was popularized as a marketing campaign, it doesn't mean that having steps as a goal isn't effective. After all, doing some physical activity is better than doing none. So the question is, are those steps raising your heart rate enough to earn points which would cause health adaptations? That's the question. So if you're able to do incrementally more steps or walk for longer, that means you're making positive strides towards improving your health. So there is some benefit to it but there's a lot of shortcomings to the STEPS goal. First off, it doesn't account for intensity of activity. For example, let's say someone called Tom is fairly fit and active and doing 10,000 steps a day is no problem for him and he takes very little time. He walks along flat paths to shops, barely raising his heart rate. Another person called Amira is just at the start of her fitness journey and finds 10,000 steps nearly impossible to fit in with the daily schedule. Furthermore, She walks uphill towards work every day, getting her heart rate up to a high-intensity zone, but feels defeated because she doesn't get anywhere near the 10,000-step goal. So that's the first problem. See, Amira could be getting more health adaptations than Tom. Secondly, step counting can be quite narrow. 
If you're only monitoring steps, what about activities like swimming, cycling, weight training? Would not count. I've got a, uh, me personally, I have an injured lower back. It's a, like a chronic condition, means it's long lasting. I'm not, I can't do much walking. I can't do any running. But I do like bicycle training. I do some, um, some strength training. So if you have joint, people who have joint issues, particularly people who are heavy, that prevents a lot of step based activities. So those people might prefer to swim or like I do. I love cycling. And that wouldn't get recognized in the 10,000 step goal if you were in that category. There are many ways in which the health software we have improves and expands upon this concept of of 10,000 steps. It offers a science-backed solution that's based on heart rate, giving you personalized, or anyone who uses it, a personalized experience to improve your health, and you're given a weekly instead of daily goal of 100. So, and that's really good, by the way, which you can earn from any type of activity. I went out, I think I've mentioned this before on some other episodes, I went out to, um, in the summertime here, last summer in Australia, swimming at Christmas, at the Christmas time at a river with my wife, my son, and our golden retriever. Just had my watch on and went out. We're in the river, climbing trees, just doing stuff. I came home that afternoon. I earned two points just by being recreational. And that's the brilliant thing. It was We're in the river. I wasn't counting any steps in the river. So 100 points isn't just an arbitrary number like steps. It's backed by science. Researchers found that people who maintained 100 points or more, we talked about this, had average risk of 20 to 25% risk reduction from things like cardiovascular disease and other lifestyle disease mortality, which we'll go into another time. So even if people, even if, listen to this, even if you earned less than 100 points, you saw benefits and improvements to cardiometabolic health. That means you had health adaptations. So even if you're at 50 points a week on rolling seven on a rolling seven days or 75 points, you are seeing Im- improvements in cardiometabolic health and you're having health adaptations. So 100 points on a rolling seven day goal instead of a daily target, that's better. And that's what the health software has. So we live our lives in weekly cycles and some days we just don't have time to do much physical activity. The software recognizes that and it gives you up to seven days to meet your target, which I love. It also recognizes both intensity and duration. So as it's all based on your heart rate. So as in our previous example, if Tom went for a leisurely walk, getting in 10,000 steps earned only two to five points. But Amira might do the walking up the hill thing, like a steep hill, earns 10 to 15 points in a short period of time. Furthermore, it's tailored to you, adapting as you progress. I love this part. So if you frequently bicycle ride like I do, your body will adapt my body has, and get stronger and have health adaptations and making it the same ride that you used to do easier. <laughs> Here's the coolest thing. That means over time, you'll earn less points for the same ride. So it means you'll be encouraged to push yourself harder to improve, to get to the 100 points because your body's made health adaptations. It's brilliant, brilliant system, in my opinion. The best ever. Ultimately, doing more physical activity on a consistent basis, is great for health, helping you not only get fitter, but also improving some of the other other things like mood, sleep, and stress, and the other mental, social, and emotional health stuff. So using a SMART goal like our software provi- um, provides, it takes your a person's physical health goals to the next levels, allowing you to incorporate activity in a way that makes sense for your lifestyle and the activities that you like to do, not just steps. So what I thought I'd do here um, is I thought I'd mention the top physical activities 
for earning points? That's a question that always comes up. Oh, what's the best way to earn points? Here is, according to Professor Wisloff and his team, the top eight things that will earn you points the fastest. So I thought, this one we can't do in Australia. The first one, this is a Norwegian experience and some other countries, but certainly not here. The first one is cross-country skiing. By a landslide, considered the best type of physical activity because cross-country skiing uses 80% of your muscle mass compared to 60% in running and 40% in cycling. The big difference between cross-country skiing and these other physical activities is your upper body is playing a big role. There's more muscles involved. So that'll earn you the most points. Like I said, Australia, the beautiful climate that we have here, there's not a whole lot of cross-country skiing available. Maybe you can, I can get the, um, the land-based version of cross-country skiing. I might look into that and see how that works. Okay, um, kickboxing is the second one. So it's a full-body workout, m- uses more muscle groups. That earns you the second most amount. Any type of interval training, I- interval physical activity. So short bursts of high-intense exercise and short periods of rest, that will get you a lot of points very quickly. For example... If you can sprint in a cycling for um, 20 minutes and earn 23 points, or you can walk to work for an hour and only earn seven points. See that? So that's what I like to do. I actually do mine in seven-minute blocks. And I won't go into the reason I chose seven minutes, but I will go and do seven minutes at that higher intensity, then on my bicycle, riding laps of my street, then I'll sit in my veranda for two, three, four minutes, go out and do another seven minutes, come back, two, three, four minutes, go and do another seven minutes at the higher rate. You know what that does? I've got plenty of times in 21 minutes, I've earned 20 points. Unbelievable more. It's fantastic. Rowing is the next one. What is that one? Number four. Rowing is number four. Ice hockey. Not a lot of time for ice hockey in Australia. And you got to be into that sport because that can be. <laughs> Skating's really good. I'm not really into the bashing side of it <laughs> where you get, get pumped by someone else. Um, spinning, as in spin cycling, fantastic way to earn points because it can focus on short bursts, hard work, and endurance all at the same time. Soccer's the next one. Soccer, the average soccer player runs in a game six to seven miles, um, uh, whereas uh, other football codes might only run one to 1.25 miles. Australian rules football will be good. They probably haven't whistled off. Um, Professor Wisloff and his team probably haven't done that. Basketball has run three to five miles in a game. So soccer is a fairly uninterrupted game. But Australian rules football, that would be a good one because very similar to soccer. If not, maybe, I don't know, maybe even better. I have to ask him some questions about that, but I'm sure they haven't studied Aussie rules football. Um, Running is the last one. If you can run, that is fantastic because, uh, as it says, it uses up to 60% of of your muscle mass. So... Those are the top eight types of physical activity you can do. But really, inside there, if you go back over that, there's a lot of flexibility for you to choose something you love. In fact, this is probably a good story. I was talking to a TV cardiologist. Now, what that means is in Australia, we have um, there's a cardiologist here in Australia who owns his own practice. And four days a week, he's practicing cardiology. One day a week, he does work in the media. He has his own national-based radio show um, about health. And he's also on TV regularly contributing to the morning shows here in Australia. And he and I were having dinner one time here in Australia a few years ago now. He said to me, um, Dr. Walker, his name is, Dr. Ross Walker, cardiologist. He said to me, Shane, you want to know what the best physical activity is bar none? I go, oh, I'm thinking to myself, here is one of Australia's leading, most respected cardiologists, sees patients every day, four days a week. 
in his practice in Sydney, uh, and a great practice he is. I've been treated by Dr. Walker, well, scanned by Dr. Walker is what I should say, which is fantastic. And he says, this blows my mind, he says to me, do you want to know what the number one physical activity is? Now, Professor Wisloff said it's cross-country skiing. That's not the answer. That's not the answer that Dr. Walker had. But you'll see how the two match up in just a second. So I'm sitting there with bated breath over dinner. I almost wanted to get out my notepad and take a few notes so I didn't forget this or put on my voice recorder. Dr. Walker said to me, anything that you love and makes you keep coming back. I go, oh my goodness, I can't believe it. So if you love cross-country skiing, that's the one that'll get you the points the fastest, but we can't do that here in Australia. So his answer was, Dr. Walker was, anything you love that makes you keep coming back, that's the goal. That's the real goal. Find something that you love to do and that you can get into. So what I want to do to finish off here is two things. I want to introduce you to a couple of minutes from a professor of mechanical engineering. So we talked, we met Dr. Eschbach, and we talked about that he is a part of a sensor technology company out of Raleigh, North Carolina. So Dr. Stephen LaBeouf is a co-founder of the sensor technology company. So what I thought I'd do is give you three or four minutes of Dr. LaBeouf talking about the sensor technology and where it's all going to. So you can have a bit of insight into the future and into what's already gone and what's happening out there in the world today when it comes to technology that you might use or you might encourage other people to use. So why don't we go and listen to, just listen to him in his own words, talk about the tech, talk about the stuff they develop with their company. They are the world leaders in the, and he talks about accuracy in here. Then I'm going to come back and I'm going to finish with this particular, finish the episode in the mini series. Um, with this is my heading in my notes: the unchangeable health biometrics to track, regardless of the smartwatch maker and regardless of what changes in our lifetime. These health biometrics are unchangeable. You need to track these if you want to remain physically healthy for the rest of your life. All right, transition now to Dr. Stephen LaBeouf from Raleigh, North Carolina, the co-founder of one of the world-leading sensor technology companies, the stuff that goes into your devices that you're probably wearing, and then we'll come back and we'll go through what other health biometrics you should be actually tracking. Hi, this is Alfred Poor, editor of Health Tech Insider, and I'm here at the Digital Health Summit Studios at CES 2020. And I have the pleasure of speaking with... Uh, Dr. Stephen LaBeouf today, he was from the company called Valencell, and you may have heard of the company, uh, even though you may not know it, uh, there are earbuds out there from Jabra and other companies that actually can measure your heart rate, and that's your technology inside oh, that's there, right. right? So tell us a little bit how that works. Well, Valencell really is the founding fall of wearable PPG as we know it today. PPG we, is? Photoplasmography. It's a way to use light to see blood flow changes and hence turn that to heart rate, respiration rate, and now even blood pressure with all technology. So that's why we have blinking lights on our Fitbit That's right. That's like why that. they blink on and off. Like Got that. it. And so how, how accurate are these? Well... We recently had a major innovation. Traditionally, the optical technologies haven't been as good at monitoring heart rate as a chest strap. We changed that at least for the ear. Uh, the ear technology now we have is just as good as a chest strap. We have the data to prove it. So now for the first time, you have a true chest strap replacement in an optical device. Now, we also make technology that goes into wristbands and armbands, which is great. And those get really close, but not 
not to every exercise that you like to do. And that was a big part of what we had to solve. And one of the things I'll say for you is that you know, one of the things I admire about the company is you're a science first company. Oh, that's right. You're not starting with the product and how do we build this? You, you start with the things that really work. And this year you just announced a, a new feature, a new, new function that you've got that just blows me away. All right. So tell, tell us a little about how, how we can measure our blood pressure now. Yeah, Sue, this technology, we've been working on it for a while, and we've kept you up to date on our developments over the years, but this is the first time now we actually have a PPG-based, all optical-based, no-cuff, accurate blood pressure monitoring solution that is cuffless, is is completely non-invasive in every way and is calibration free and we have it working in earbuds now and now we're commercializing it now so folks can get dev kits order and test it out it took us a lot of data thousands and thousands and thousands of data sets of blood pressure taken the right way along with optical data sets and we found that we can make this work accurately enough on the ear and we believe we can bring it up to other body parts in the future that's amazing. So we can, you can actually get your blood pressure by putting an earbud in your ear. An audio earbud that you already use to listen to music or hearing aid or any earpiece where you have access to the ear region. It turns out the ear region is special for this, in part because of the density of arterioles in the ear, but also because you directly connect it to the carotid artery system. So walking around the floor here, you know, there's a lot of wearable health tech oh, stuff right, going yeah. on. And I think consumers have a hard time separating the the fact from fiction, the oh, hype, good the guy. hype from yeah, the healthy, it's a big problem. and yeah, again, being science-based, um, you know, what, what advice would you have for people to who are looking at products and how to figure out whether it's... I've thought a lot about this, and there's three things that you really need to make sure of. Whenever you're interviewing or asking a question of a company that claims to have, I mean, to claim you have optical blood pressure is a big claim. you got to have the data to prove it, and there's three things to look for. The first thing is, does the company admit where the limits are? If, if they're saying, oh, no, we got this, we got that, that's BS. No, every technology has weaknesses, so check for that. The second thing is, do they have the data to prove it? And I don't mean like just one or two or even 50 or even 100. You need a 1,000-plus data sets just to even have a serious conversation. And then the third thing, are they going to give you a demo? Because if they're not demoing it, you know it's smoke and mirrors. So you need those three things together in order to trust it. Now, we have all those at our booth overhead valence on. And, and I can attest to that fact. You've got chapter and verse and, and demos and uh, hands-on stuff. Yeah, we can it's, overload you with some data now. You, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, congratulations on the blood pressure and the, the, the new accuracy level for the heart rate. And uh, looking forward to seeing your technology in all kinds of places. Thank you much. Always a pleasure to speak with you. As, as it is for me. All right. You have a good one now. Thanks. So, uh, again, I'm Alfred Poor, editor of Health Tech Insider, coming to you from the Digital Health Summit studio here at CES 2020. Thanks for watching. Well, that was a fantastic short little clip of an interview done with Dr. LaBeouf. Now, I actually spent some time with Dr. LaBeouf from the years of about 2012, 2011, or 2014, getting to know him, went and visited him at his headquarters in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. He's a funny guy. He's from, I think, from Louisiana or somewhere. But they got a great team. And like everything I love to do inside the new science of physical health, it's evidence-based. And I really thought it was very cool 
about what he just said about the three things you need to look for in tech. So the health software that we're talking about in this episode from Professor Wisloff and his team, whoa, they got the data. Not just, like you said, not just 40, 50, 100, thousands. They've got their data based on over 45,000 people. And then it's been repeated across other populations. So that's the stuff of the health software that we're talking about. So that was really a great little mini interview there with um, Dr. LaBeouf. So back now to what I said about the unchangeable health biometrics to track, regardless of what smartwatch makers give you and regardless of what they deliver in the future in our lifetime. See, things like what Dr. LaBeouf was just talking about with blood pressure, here's my contention, right? Give us a device that tracks blood pressure. I want to know that. If Whether it's my earphones, he talked about it coming out in other devices, imagine in smartwatches in the future and all that type of stuff. But here's the thing, okay, that, that I that I think about. If you were to track the health biometrics that we're about to talk about, we know from science that they will drive down your blood pressure so that you should get a score back, not sure, you will get a score back about your blood pressure that shows it's going down as you improve the health biometrics we we're just about to talk about. So lots of people don't know they've got high blood pressure. So it would be great for people to get that information. But the challenge is, what is actionable? What do you need to do once you've got it? If someone said to the average person in the street, who's not physically active right now, doesn't know anything about the topic, um, you go into the doctor and the doctor said, yeah, blood pressure's a bit up. It's 130 over 110. The person in the street who's not into physical health, not into physical activity, has no idea why that's a problem. None. So. What I'm convinced of is drawing people into the world of what are the unchangeable health biometrics you should track, no matter what tech you use. So here they are. Active heart fitness score converted into a number that proves you're lowering your risk of cardiovascular disease. Number one. Number two, recovery heart fitness score. Because your recovery heart fitness score is all about homeostasis and ad- health adaptations. How fast can your body get back to normal after being involved in any type of physical activity? That's number two. Number three, as we talked about earlier with Dr. Franklin and others across the world, your resting heart fitness score. You need to track that because if you have a high one, it has a linear, a linear correlation with your risk of the leading cause of sickness and death. So you need your the fourth one. Your next day activity intelligence score. So if you're on 100 points today, what are you going to be on tomorrow before you get there? And the the, the cell software that we use that I'll give you inside, whether you get the book, the courses, the other material that we have, the health software that I'll give you has inside the software, it shows you what you've got today and what you will start on the next day based on the previous seven days. So for example, I finished up yesterday on 101 points and it's uh, the health software says that I will be, th- that was yesterday. When I woke up this morning, I was on 97 points. The only reason I was on 97 points was because of work that I'd done seven days ago, if that makes sense. So then the number, that's number four. Number five is your heart rate intensity. So Inside my material, I go through as to why that is and how that all is calculated. But we it gets auto-calculated in the health software. But it does well for people to understand that. So the five things are active heart fitness score, 
recover heart fitness score, rest heart fitness score, your next day activity intelligence score, and your heart rate intensity. Knowing all of these will give you information that tells you if you're getting the correct dose of physical activity in order to drive down your risk of cardiovascular disease, and it will also impact your risk of cancer. So how to put it all together for yourself and the people that you care about and influence. Get the materials that I've got available for you so you can go and start using them in your own life and sharing them with other people. So let's wrap this episode up, okay? I am obsessed with sharing the new Science of Physical Health platform with those people that you care about. So a lot of people who come to this early on are people that are like me. This is your wheelhouse or your area of interest. There are millions of families across the world that are heading for a physical health disaster that could absolutely be averted. Both families are going... So there's families who are going to experience the same kind of pain and suffering that my family went through back in 1989 when my father died aged only 46 years old. And that the pain and knowing that he missed out on my entire adult life and all that I looked, so everything that I have done, from getting married to the career that I've had, to the um, to his grandson being born, um, to the ups and downs. I, I had some, um, back in 2014, I was diagnosed for a two-year period with severe anxiety and, and clinical depression. Um, that was one of the big downs of my life. So all of the ups and downs, he never got to meet my wife. None of that stuff happened. And all the things that I look to accomplish in the future, he never got to see. His grandson never met his grandfather. He can only see black and white photos. Never heard his voice. We didn't have any video of him. Okay? That just, we just didn't do that. So none of that can be ever undone. And it lives with me every single day. It's the very motivation behind me creating the new science of physical health, writing a book, creating courses and driving this content into as many places as I possibly can. Families, workplaces, school, wherever it is, active aging participants, all those areas. I know right now, as you listen to this, there is an opportunity for you to share this episode and my work and other works, particularly my book and my other works with people in your community. Give them some of the free stuff and get some of the other stuff as well that that is paid for if you want to. It is your fascination with this subject. Here's how I think. Your fascination with this subject of physical health and health outcomes that could be that you could give this audio episode to someone else who is currently heading into or already knee deep in what I call the disease funnel. Okay? I want them out other people who are in the disease funnel out of the disease funnel and move into something I call the health funnel. That's in my book, the two diagrams. All of my resources are designed just to do that. Get them out of the disease funnel and get them into the health funnel. But I need the help of other people who might already be out there in the world and going, you know what? I want other people to be healthy as well, not just shame. So more importantly, I don't want someone else's family to take a phone call the same way that I did. Remember from episode one? On November the 1st in 1989, when I heard those three words, love, dads die. When my mother spoke those words to me over 30 years ago, it was horrendous. The problem is, it's no less horrendous today. I know that if there'd been a platform 
like the new science of physical health and someone had handed it to my father, it could have made a connection. So that's all I've asked of you. Please, use my resources to make a connection with someone else and change their physical health destiny. Thank you for joining me at this mini-series. I look forward to sharing more with you in the future. Bye for now.